It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, May 23rd. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Today's California report focuses on the south of the state, where journalist Saul Gonzalez looks at the historic mayoral race unfolding in Los Angeles. Then, down even further, to San Diego, where two members of the city council hope to challenge the state's affirmative action initiative. And the U.S. Department of the Interior recently released a report spanning over a century of troubling policies in the federal Indian boarding school system. That's ahead in today's National Native News. What made California the Golden State? KVMR's Al Stoller gives us a lesson in history to round out tonight's newscast. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, or LASA, has unveiled plans to reduce unsheltered homeless in L.A. County over the next three years. Reporter Ethan Ward of KPCC has more. The plan includes increasing the speed of getting people from temporary shelter into permanent supportive housing and improving the management of grants and contracts with service providers. Veronica Lewis is the director of the Homeless Outreach Program Integrated Care System, or HOPIX. She says she thinks LASA's plan is a good one, but has one big concern. In addition to creating a way to get people from long-term stays in these temporary shelters, there's also people who are never going to come into those type of temporary situations and we need to make sure that we're focusing on moving them directly from the street into permanent housing or private spaces as well. A recent survey of unhoused people from the Rand Corporation found that less than a third of people on the streets said they would move into shared spaces. Lasso's new plans come almost a month after its executive director resigned unexpectedly. No replacement has been appointed yet. For The California Report, I'm Ethan Ward in Los Angeles. Let's turn to Los Angeles's mayoral race. Vote-by-mail ballots have already been sent out, and later this week, Angelinos can begin casting their ballots at vote centers with the last day to vote on Tuesday, June 7th. There are two clear leading candidates, according to the polls. One is Democratic Congresswoman and former Speaker of the California State Assembly, Karen Bass. If elected, Bass would be the first African-American woman to lead the city. Her chief opponent is Rick Caruso, a billionaire property developer and Republican turned Democrat. Once considered a long shot in the race, Caruso has spent a record-busting $23 million on his campaign, most of it his own money. Both Bass and Caruso promised to tackle LA's biggest challenges like homelessness, housing, and public safety. If a candidate doesn't get more than 50% of the vote in the primary, the top two vote-getters will battle it out in November's general election. Here to talk about LA's mayoral race is Fernando Guerra, who directs Loyola Marymount University's Center for the Study of Los Angeles. Professor Guerra, what strikes you about the race right now? Uh, That it is unfolding completely different than I or most observers would have anticipated a year ago. The dynamics have changed so much that it has created an opening for a candidate like Rick Caruso. How important has Rick Caruso's spending been to where he is now in this race? Uh, It's been very important. It's been a necessary but not sufficient factor in positioning him as one of the top two candidates. It's equivalent to what uh, Meg Whitman did, you know, when she ran for governor against Jerry Brown. You know, I think conventional wisdom a few months ago would have been Karen Bass, the other leading candidate. Uh, This was hers 
to lose, basically. You know, she she had pretty much had this race wrapped up. That certainly is not the case anymore. How is she holding up? I think that this election is Karen Bass's to lose. Um, if you take a look at the history of L.A. voters, she should be getting 80 percent of the vote. OK, I think that 80 percent of the voters in Los Angeles want to vote for her. And so then you ask, well, why aren't they? And from my perspective, she has to do two things. Uh, one, she has to articulate a clear uh, message responding to homelessness. And second, she has to, which I think she has a much better chance at doing, is articulate a strong, significant public safety message. She does those two things. She will win in November easily, in my mind. Hmm. And beyond the candidates themselves, Professor Guetta, I understand you think this could be kind of an extraordinary year in L.A. politics and in this mayoral race because of changing election mechanics. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I I think what's uh, also significant is that this is the first mayoral race that is during an even year and nested with the gubernatorial election in the history of L.A. This is the first mayoral race with universal vote by mail. This is the first mayoral race with voting centers. This is the first mayoral race with early voting. This is the first mayoral race with same day registration. And so we will have more people vote in this mayoral election in absolute numbers than ever in the history of L.A., for sure. I can say that without a doubt. All right. That is Professor Fernando Guerra, the director of the Center for the Study of Los Angeles at Loyola Marymount University here in L.A. Professor, always great talking to you about L.A. politics. And thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. The city of San Diego is looking to challenge a state law meant to prohibit cities from giving preferential treatment to women and people of color when it comes to awarding contracts. Two members of the San Diego City Council, Raul Campillo and Monica Montgomery Stepp, say they plan to challenge Proposition 209, the state's affirmative action initiative. The council members cited a disparity study released last year that shows women and people of color don't get their fair share when it comes to city contracts contracts awarded in San Diego. The study found that businesses owned by white women and minorities received only 19% of the more than $2 billion in city contracts awarded during a five-year period, compared with the 31% the study says they should have landed. The city attorney's office has cautioned against challenging Prop 209, saying the study failed to find evidence that intentional discrimination played a role in the disparities. The city council's Economic Development Committee recently approve more than a dozen new contracting policies that are neutral when it comes to gender and race. But it says it still aims to help women and contractors of color. (laughs) 
And that is the California Report for Monday, May 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day and talk tomorrow. In tonight's National Native News, we'll follow the journey of a killer whale totem pole as it winds its way through the Pacific Northwest. Then, troubling details continue to emerge from the U.S. Department of the Interior report on federal Indian boarding schools. However, many say the report is just the tip of the iceberg with more research needed. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. A killer whale totem pole has made its journey through the Pacific Northwest to raise awareness of calls to remove dams from the Snake River. Through May, it made stops in tribal communities and cities, as Eric Tigadoff reports. The Spirit of the Waters totem pole journey began at the beginning of May in Bellingham, near the Lummi Indian Reservation where it was carved. Since then, it's traveled through Oregon, Idaho, and back to Seattle. Jewel James with the Lummi Nation's House of Tears Carvers is its head carver. He said the pole is 16 feet long, weighs 3,000 pounds, and sits on two carved 8-foot-long salmon. The killer whale that has a uh, baby whale on its nose to reflect Telequah, the whale that lost her uh, calf and carried it around Puget Sound for 17 days and over 1,000 miles, trying to get the message to us, the human beings, that we are killing them off. James says the journey is supporting the Shoshone-Bannock tribe's call to remove four dams on the Lower Snake River in southeast Washington, which are impeding salmon migration. The salmon's population drop in the Columbia River Basin in recent decades also has starved southern resident orcas in Puget Sound. Dam supporters say they are integral for barging and irrigation in the region. But James says there's growing disappointment among tribes and conservation groups with lawmakers in action as salmon near extinction. They're more prone to uh, protect the interests of corporations than they are the general public. And we find that a little frustrating. The journey has brought together tribal members, conservation groups, and the faith community to call for the restoration of the Snake River. That was Eric Tigadoff reporting. The National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition worked with the U.S. Department of the Interior for months in the development of the recently released Federal Indian Boarding School Report to address the troubled legacy of boarding school policies. The report found that from 1819 to 1969, the Federal Indian Boarding School system consisted of 408 federal schools across the country and identified marked or unmarked burial sites at about 53 different schools. The coalition is calling for more research and expanded work beyond the federal initiative. Coalition board member Joni Romero says it's important to uncover documents and educate the public about Indian boarding schools. Have access to these records, to church records, to records at the National Archive and um, other locations, and also to really understand the intergenerational impacts of trauma that it's had on communities. And we've seen these ripple effects carried out through the timeline of federal Indian law and policy and looking at education being one of those long-standing pieces in which Uh, children and families, um, and the push for English-only literacy, the push for um, the the, the Catholic denomination. And now we're in a race with time to save our cultures and languages, to heal our trauma, to raise our families. 
Romero says it's also part of the healing process. Those who experience trauma while at school and or the loss of their peers and then returning to their communities and trying to reintegrate themselves into um, Pueblo culture or indigenous culture in general, we see those effects today in um, particularly uh, families and at the communal level when we think about nation building, when we think about the opportunities that we have to um, continue the conversation around how we reclaim our children through education and language. The coalition is seeking the establishment of a commission to help locate records and gather information from former students and descendants. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Support by Amerind, the 100% tribally owned insurance partner working with tribal governments and enterprises to provide effective commercial insurance coverage, strengthen Native American communities, protect tribal sovereignty, and help keep dollars in Indian country. Info at Amerind.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. UBINET reports CAL FIRE has suspended all residential burn permits until further notice. Beginning today, all residential burning is prohibited until CAL FIRE states otherwise. As of 6 p.m. Sunday, the 20-acre Golden Fire, two miles southwest of Camptonville, is 100% contained, according to Tahoe National Forest's public affairs. No structures were lost. The cause of the blaze remains under investigation. Just before 2.20 p.m. today, Ubinet reported a power outage on two circuits in Penn Valley and Rough and Ready, affecting around 3,000 Pacific Gas and Electric customers. The estimated restoration time was 5.15 p.m. However, as of 5.30 p.m., PG&E's website still says power is currently off for the area. Drug overdose deaths in the U.S. continue to surge. Earlier this month, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released new data showing drug overdoses killed more than 107,000 people in the U.S. last year. That's another record. This year marks a 15% increase on top of a roughly 30% increase from the year before. And overall, fatal overdoses have more than doubled. The U.S. has seen twice as many people dying from drug overdoses in the last five years. Now, UC Davis is one of two universities to receive a $2.7 million grant from the National Institute on Drug Abuse. In a press release today, the University of California campus says evidence from human and animal testing suggests the brain-altering effects of psychedelics could be repurposed for treating addiction. Researchers at UC Davis plan to screen hundreds of compounds to discover new non-hallucinogenic treatments for substance use disorders. The university says previous work has shown psychedelic drugs can rewire parts of the brain involved in depression, substance abuse, and post-traumatic stress disorder. David Olson, associate professor in the school's departments of chemistry and biochemistry and molecular medicine, is searching for similar effects among compounds without the hallucinogenic effects of drugs like LSD. 
He calls these compounds psychoplastogens for their ability to modify the brain. Olson's work is part of a growing focus on psychedelics research at UC Davis and UC Davis Health. His lab has synthesized hundreds of molecules related to psychedelics in the search for new drug therapies. One such molecule, known as TBG, reportedly produces both rapid and sustained anti-addictive effects in rodent models of heroin and alcohol self-administration. Now turning our attention to regional weather. The National Weather Service warns of critical fire weather conditions through midweek. Record high temperatures, north winds, and low humidity are in the forecast for Tuesday and Wednesday. However, according to the NWS, the heat is not expected to last long. Temperatures look to return to near normal over the Memorial Day weekend. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 58. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 88. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 39. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 76. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 65. Northwest winds with gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. Tuesday, sunny and hot with a high near 100. Those northwest winds continue with gusts reaching 22 miles per hour. A heat advisory for the Sacramento area remains in effect from noon Tuesday to 11 p.m. Wednesday. Afternoon temperatures could blaze up to 105 degrees, with Wednesday expected to be the hottest day. In addition, a red flag warning is in effect now until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. As the county weighs yet another mining proposal, KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller steps back a few hundred million years to look at where that gold came from. Pour a glass of water into a bag of potato chips. Close the bag and shake it up. Even before the chips get super soggy, the water dissolves all the salt off the chips. Now pour that water out of the chip bag into a bag of pretzels. Same thing happens. Even before the pretzels get very soggy, the water dissolves all the salt off the pretzels. Now pour the water out of the pretzel bag onto a dry towel and put the towel out in the sun. Pretty soon the towel is dry and covered with a crust of salt. We've extracted the salt from the chips from the pretzels and concentrated the salt on the towel. Gold does not dissolve in cold water, but gold does dissolve in magma, liquid rock. California is a very young state. I'm not talking statehood here about joining the Union. I'm talking here about rocks. Not that long ago in Earth history, the rocky state of California did not exist. To spend a day at the beach, you'd want to visit Idaho or Utah. Everything west of those states was seafloor, underwater. Take a quick glance at the map, and it's easy to see that Africa and South America fit together like pieces in a jigsaw puzzle. Africa and South America are pieces in a jigsaw puzzle, the jigsaw puzzle that is the Earth's surface. Some hundreds of millions of years ago, Africa and South America sat side by side until forces in the Earth, forces we still don't fully understand, forces within the Earth pushed Africa away from South America, Europe away from North America. And while the Atlantic is growing wider, as continents are pushed apart, pieces of Earth's jigsaw puzzle, pieces bordering the Pacific on the other side of the globe, 
are being pushed side by side against each other, sliding along the San Andreas Fault. Other pieces are being pushed into collisions with each other, driving the volcanoes of the Cascades, Lassen, Shasta, up through Oregon and Washington into B.C. Back some hundreds of millions of years ago, volcanoes erupted in the Pacific and got pushed into a collision with North America. One collision after another, the floor of the Pacific, volcanoes and all, got plastered onto the western edge of North America, building up what is now California. Before lava reaches the surface, it is magma, and gold, remember, dissolves in magma. These volcanoes, it seems, were erupting lava enriched with gold. The volcanoes became part of California, and then more rock got pushed into California behind them. Like pushing on a rug, the land became crumpled. Mountains were pushed into the air. Now high in the mountains, the gold-bearing rock was weathered, turned to clay and mud, sand and gravel, which was then carried down in streams. Gold is heavy, dense, way denser than lead. Whenever they slowed down, the streams dropped their gold, where it was discovered in the gravel in 1848. This much-abbreviated history of some of the gold that made California the golden state is to be continued. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Monday, May 23rd. Visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from A to Z Hardware Supply and Garden Center, locally owned since 1984, offering household construction essentials, plus April's Garden, a memorial lawn and garden nursery for all seasons with beekeeping and canning supplies. Ridge Road, Grass Valley. A to Z supply.com and Carmen's Garden and Greenhouse, locally owned since 2012 on Loma Rica Drive, Grass Valley, stocking greenhouse coverings and components, down to earth amendments, IPM products, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 5. K A R M E N S Garden.com. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. On today's episode, we travel back in time as food journalist Lizette Kroof cooks Marie Antoinette's favorite cake while speaking about the origins of the French Revolution. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. Thank you.